Welcome to the Active Faith Podcast, where we are building a theology of self-care together. My name is Andrew Weir. I am your host, and I am the Running Rev. Through conversations with others and reflections, we are seeking to build a theology of self-care, exploring how we take that initiative to care for ourselves as we seek to live out our faith and vocations. And y'all, we are in for a great episode this week as we come together uh, in this episode couple of weeks ago, Sarah Locke, who y'all remember from some previous episodes, shared with me a podcast episode from a podcast called the Renovare Podcast with a uh, a certain pastor, author, uh, person named Mark Buchanan, who wrote a book called God Walk, Walking at the Speed of God. And oh my word, this book was just great for the way in which I am looking to spiritually connect as a walker. Now, you all know I am a runner. I love to run. It is what probably uh, the most comfortable way of movement that I know how to do. And yet, I have wanted to discover this uh, way in which I could use walking, not just as a tool for recovery, but as a tool for spirituality as well. And when I read this book, I loved Mark's understanding of bringing this insight into how we walk. Uh, And so I knew immediately I had to reach out to him and I had to get him on this podcast. So uh, this is my conversation with Mark Buchanan uh, about walking as a spiritual discipline and about uh, the the role in nature that it plays in self-care. So without any further ado, let's dive into this conversation with Mark. All right, welcome in everybody. Uh, today we have uh, author uh, Mark Buchanan here. I had an opportunity to read his book God Walk and uh, heard him on the on a different podcast and wanted to get him on to come in and talk to us a little bit about walking. But Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks, Andrew. Yeah, um, and and author. There's a lot more that goes into to who Mark is beyond author. Uh, that was just my introduction to him. Uh, so, Mark, why don't we let the listeners know who you are? Uh, would you mind telling us who you are, where you call home, and what does self care mean to you? Oh, great, great questions. I um, am in Calgary, Alberta, up in Canada, and. It's a beautiful part of Canada, but it gets mighty cold. And right now, I'm I'm uh, battling a blizzard out there. But uh, I teach. I for many years was a pastor. Twenty four years I pastored churches in Canada. This past ten years, I've been a professor of theology at a small university here in Calgary called Ambrose. And um, and then I. And then I write books when I have time to do that. What I do for self-care, I have two, two large practices. One is I keep a regular Sabbath, and I've written on that as well. And it's a bit of a, a campaign or crusade of me to try to, especially my students, to convince them that if they build Sabbath practice into their life, now when they're younger, it will pay massive dividends later in life. The other is what we're going to be talking about, Andrew. I love to walk. It would be a rare day that I didn't walk probably at least three miles, uh, usually more. And uh, we'll get into the conversation why I think that's so important. But that's a, a huge part of my self-care. And I was, uh, I, I, I just finished, as I mentioned at the top, I finished your book. But I also read uh, another book by an author that I've been getting into, Brad Stahlberg. Uh, he writes in a book called The Practice of Groundedness. And talks about this practice of 
not even just daily walks, but walks throughout the day as a means of revitalizing the mind, of maybe getting out of a stuck space. And I think that we can really see the benefits of walking in our society. And so what led you along this journey to find walking as not just a self-care practice, well, as a self-care practice, but more than just a physical practice, but a spiritual practice, a mental practice? Yeah, I, I, um, it was probably about five years ago. I've always loved to walk. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever sat down in any significant, sustained way and thought about what are the benefits other than the physical benefits that were obvious. But I didn't really think about the spiritual value of walking. But I, about five years ago, was on a long walk and thought, why do I feel so alive when mm-hmm. I do this? And I began to reflect that it was, there's these, all of these dimensions to the practice of walking that obviously there's these physical benefits and endorphins and et cetera, et cetera. But I started to realize I, I, everything in me slowed down even while I was moving. So it was in a sense, my slowest practice. I, I was more still in my spirit through walking than I was, than I am when I'm sitting. So when I'm actually in physical, a place of phys- physical rest, I have a racing mind. Mm-hmm. When I walk, everything kind of gets quiet. And I began to th- just sort of uh, bridge out from there to say, well, what else? What else? What else? And to be honest, when I sat down to write the book, I, I had maybe 35 pages of mm-hmm. what I knew about walking from just sort of you know examining my own practice of it. But I was intrigued enough to say, well, I, there's got to be so much more here. And that's when I began the research and, and then incorporated different things that I was learning as I was reading and researching. I, I would incorporate that in my walking. And as you know from the book, I have these sections called um, walkabouts or, or uh, um, Godspeeds and mm-hmm. it's simply go out and try that. Yeah. I think one of the ones that hit me the most that that my wife and I have almost always practiced, except when we had when our kids were really small and it was a little harder. You, you had one about walking, like finding a parking spot furthest away from the mall or the store. And I read that one and I was like, man. And I think about all those those thoughts that run through my mind as I not only like walk to the store, but then walk through the store. Uh, and, and just the way that that walking it it helps to get the mind moving uh, beyond anything. You know, the blood starts flowing in our bodies, whereas you know when we're sedentary, everything starts to kind of build up and and yeah, can, tense up. congeals. <laughs> and, and then you get up and walk, and you start moving, and the muscles start to stretch, yeah. and and the blood starts to flow, and so it really goes into show how important. And you say it right right in the beginning of the book. You talk about, you know, the need for, I mean, you term it as walking, but even more so just movement in general of uh, walking is along with eating and sleeping our most practiced human activity. How do we often maybe take walking our ability to walk for granted as not just people of faith, but just as people? Right. Yeah, as you know, I begin the book with a friend of mine named Norm, who about now would be about 15 years ago, lost the the ability to walk Mm -hmm. in uh, an accident. A horse, his horse sort of threw him off and and he just hit his neck at that wrong angle. And 
uh, later on, I revisit in a chapter um, people that have lost the ability to walk. But I think that those of us who can walk uh, often just sort of use it in a, in a very utilitarian way. Uh, we we get as far as we can in a man-made thing <laughs> or mm-hmm. a human-made thing, a car or whatever. And then we try to get as close to the to the mall as we can, for instance. And then we try mm-hmm. to minimize the walking. But if you, I partly I wrote the book to, to to highlight all of this stuff physiologically, emotionally, neurologically that's happening with your walk that you would crave it, want more of it, seek it out. So thus the chapter you're you know finding the parking mm-hmm. lot furthest from the mall. But I I think that. Um, it's just this thing where we've kind of lost the miraculousness of it. So I have a, a portion in the book where I talk about just the weirdness of carrying ourselves. Like if, if uh, you, you and I look at, like we're maybe around the same size, Andrew, and if, if, you know, one of us walked into a room carrying the other, mm-hmm. so say you walk into a room and you're carrying me, that would immediately draw people's attention. Like, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am I injured? You know, why, why are you doing that? And yet we walk into rooms all the time where we're carrying ourselves mm-hmm. and nobody sort of turns around and says, what's that thing? Well, it's a miracle, actually, that we have been constructed by God in such a way that we we actually can carry ourselves. Other things can carry us, cars and buses and all of that, but we also have been given this capacity to carry ourselves. And there's a whole bunch of things I think that happen when we do that, as I'm, I'm saying, but even beyond what I wrote in the book, I think that we, there's an intimacy we begin to have, in a sense, with ourselves and the world around us when mm-hmm. we're just inhabiting our own body. And so I, I'm, you know, in part, I, I think the book is an ode to, to walking, but it's also an invitation and a plea to the reader, would you see the beauty of the thing and embrace it afresh and just get out doing it? And so what is, as, as you talk in this book and as you kind of go through your own journey, why don't you help take our listeners through your journey as well, how walking has transformed from this physical activity to this God activity. You talk about walking at the speed of God. Uh, this yeah. this three miles an hour, and yeah. I love that because uh, it it really makes you think having to walk at three miles an hour. Um, but but why don't you take us through your journey a little bit about sure. what it's like for you to have connected in this way with God? Right. So uh, as I say, about five years ago, I I started to think about the benefits beyond the physical of walking. And that's then, you know, where the, where I did the research for the book. So here's a, a number of things I either knew or re, re, rediscovered or discovered along the way is for most people, for me, certainly, uh, the best way to actually pray is to walk. Mm. So I have never been great at, at the sedentary mm. praying because mm. of something about my, my kinetic wiring as I, I, my mind goes racing as my body gets still. Mm-hmm. Whereas, as I said, when I walk, there's a slowing down of my mind, of my heart, and I can be way more attentive to myself, to my surroundings, and to God. So whenever I'm really needing to press into God, intercede for somebody, um, where I'm trying to lift up something before God in discernment, where I'm 
I need a word from God. I need, you know, God to impress upon me almost audibly, but certainly with that sense that this is actually God communicating with me. I go for a walk hmm. and it can almost be anywhere. Like I, I live right on the right, right at the edge of the Rocky mountains. So if I'm looking for spectacular walks, I've got them, yeah. but a lot of my walking is just in my neighborhood. And it really is a physical act itself that seems to sort of, ground me, center me, calm me, and open me. Mm-hmm. So I would say that. The, the other thing, and, and probably my, uh, if I think relationships, if I, I've found, I'm a, as I said, a professor, if I'm really trying to connect with a student, if I have a student who's struggling, a student who uh, is underperforming, a student who has anxiety that's interfering with their, their thriving and their education, I would normally before said, let's come to my office and we'll talk. Well, that, that's just, that just actually heightens a student's anxiety to sit Mm. in an office with a professor as it would with a pastor or anything. I go uh, almost every, unless the weather is just miserable. I say, can we go for a walk? Mm -hmm. And it is phenomenal to me. What opens up in the relationship, in the ability for that student to kind of really get in touch with what's going on with them and begin to articulate it in a, in a pretty precise way when we're walking. And the other thing that's happening with her walking, I mean, if you walk over 40, you know, over 30 minutes at a fairly brisk pace, basically three miles an hour, uh, which is, is a good, you're, you're doing a good clip. You're not strolling at that, but you're not running either. Uh, in terms of physiologically what's happened is y- your problems start to kind of sort themselves out. Mm-hmm. And this is attested historically all over. And of course, the pilgrimage is the most sort of famous embodiment of it, where people would try to work something out between God and their relationship or whatever through a long, long walk. But we know now at about 30 minutes uh, that that in, um, endorphins, et cetera, start to kick in in a way that your body and your mind begin to heal. Mm-hmm. So I watched that. We go for a long walk. I go for a long walk with a student and whatever they were vexing, they begin to come up with their own solutions to the problem. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, the, the amount of mind space that it, uh, that it takes to walk, um, you know, you can go for a walk and, and you don't have to think about anything. You can just yeah. look and observe and take everything in. And at the same time, your mind is allowed to uh, freely, your mind is allowed to freely wander as you freely wander as well. Yeah, yeah um, that's beautifully said. I mean, it's both mindless and mindful yeah. walking. So there is a sense where, yeah, you, you are in your body and, and have a very keen sense of being in your body. I mean, there's a vulnerability from if you're walking in a, you know, where there's traffic, if there's potholes, if there's uneven surfaces, you have to be attentive to that. So you have to pay attention, but you can also kind of turn off your mind. Mm-hmm. But mindful in the sense that you are, it's, it's much easier, I think, when you're walking to, to inhabit the space you're in. <laughs> that you, it is embodied in the most literal sense. Yeah. And as as you unpack these different manners and means of walking we really see and understand the way in which some sort of walking practice can actually be something that's really healthy for our self-care not only do you lay out walking as exercise 
Uh, but you lay out walking as a form of relationship, walking as a form of prayer, walking as a way of being attentive. And then you even, you know, go on in the second or the third section of the book, you know, walking as suffering, as healing, mm. you know, and, and all of these different things that help us to see the holistic nature that walking offers as we are in relationship, not only with our bodies, but we're in relationship with the world that is around us. Has there been a particular time or a particular walking experience that you have had that you felt has really connected you to that holistic nature of self-care? Yeah, actually, this summer I was in France doing some research. We connected with some friends and we discovered this beautiful medieval village. There's not a single modern thing, you know, building in this village. And we discovered it, and we, we saw uh, uh, hovering above this village this, this craggy peak, and at the peak, this ruins of a monastery. And we decided we'd, we'd go back there and on the Sunday, and we would actually go up to the top of this monastery with these friends and have church in this monastery mm. and, 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 and share communion together. And it was a walk, like the first part, like it was steep. And the first part, it was a well-marked trail. And then it got gnarly. It got to the point where sometimes you're, you're, you're you're sort of clinging to the cliff uh, and hoping that you don't slip because it could be, uh, you know, a great injury or death. And because nobody had gone up there for a long, long time, there was just kind of, we were partly blazing Mm -hmm. the trail up there. And we finally reached it. And it was just this glorious morning. As this, just as we got there, the sun was coming up, coming through all this, these these stone runes. And there, on a on an old stone, we laid out the communion and, and shared communion. I don't know if I've last time I felt that fully, fully alive, connected with myself, connected with my my wife, connected with other people, connected with God, connected with creation. I mean, we were scratched up. From to you know pushing through the the shrubbery to get up to this place, um, and yet there was a sense that this act of walking was necessary for this act of communion, or it was a, a deep, deep preparation. The communion at all the levels, mm-hmm. the sense of uh, being known, being seen, knowing the other. Uh, the, the presence of God. We we spent time praying for these deep, deep concerns of our heart. There is a vulnerability with one another to share what the deep concerns of the heart were. And so I I think that I I honestly Andrew can't imagine if we had just even found the ruins of that yeah. monastery and it was uh, you know an easy five minute stroll over there if it would have had the same sense of the heavens opening that we had because we we had to actually carry ourselves through a pretty precarious mm-hmm. treacherous difficult arduous journey to get there and i honestly i i have a sense that that was back in july and sometimes when i'm just having a day <laughs> i go and i visit that place again in my heart and in my in my memory of how god kind of came close to us yeah well, and it's a reminder that that a walk, no matter what happens on it, can stick with us for a long time. Yeah. Uh, y- y- you talk about pilgrimages and and you know quests and and all these different things in your book, and 
you know, that, then you talk about the walks around the block. And I wonder how oftentimes we take all of the walks with us, no matter where we are. And so whether I'm, you know, walking around the property of my church or I'm walking, you know, the Appalachian Trail, all those walks that have gone before me, I can take them all with me. And so as I'm walking, you know, the perimeter of my church lot, I'm also reminded of the many other times that that I've walked and and all the things that have hit my heart on those walks as I take God with me. It, it wow, is, that's amazing. I, I wish I was going to write another chapter of the book. But <laughs> I, I love that. Well, because <laughs> part of me thinks, you know, when I was reading your book, you know, you talk about the pilgrimages and the understanding of pilgrimages that have gone through the ages, whether it's the Camino or um, uh, the, the folks who walk do the walks through Jerusalem and things like that. Right. And I'd always thought, you know, I'd like to do the Camino, but I think even more so a walk that would more, be more connected to my heart would be to walk the Appalachian Trail yeah. down here in Virginia where I'm from. And I've walked sections of it. And I know that the closeness that I've felt to God on a lot of those hikes and walks through those trails, I can replicate in my spirit as I'm walking here in the trails where I live. And so I wonder if there's a sense as we continue this journey that we want to keep all of those walks with us because each walk can be an opportunity to get us closer to God. Well, I, I, I love this. I mean, I honestly think, wow, why didn't I, why didn't we talk before I wrote the book and then I could have uh, <laughs> you know, writ written this up and given you credit. I, I actually, I, my, my, my mind's uh, just kind of doing fireworks right now as you're talking, Andrew. It's such a beautiful idea. I mean, let me, let me sort of uh, to, to clarify it for myself, use an analogy. The other day I was in a class and we were reading a scripture together. It was Jesus uh, being tested by the Herodians and Pharisees, should we mm -hmm. pay taxes to Caesar? And we I often do this. I'll take a text and we'll read it together and we'll notice things and we'll have conversations. What's going on? What would this look like in the contemporary world, et cetera? But I realized as we were doing that, that all of my encounters with that text before, times I've gone to it for wisdom about how to navigate divisive political issues. Yeah. Not that any, any country is dealing with those. <laughs> um, but, or when I've, you know, I've been working through the, uh, uh, that gospel and, and wanted to preach it or whatever. And I realized that all of that layer was sort of coming in some ways uh, it was an interpretive lens. So I had to be careful. I wasn't just sort of falling back into what I had thought before but I thought, but this is also enriching that I, I, this isn't the first time I've ever thought about sat with this text and all of that coming with me as I'm interpreting now listening to what other, I have students in that class from virtually every continent, but Antarctica, I don't have mm. anybody from Australia in that particular <laughs> class, but I mean, I've got, I've got Nigerians, Zambians, um, uh, Kenyans, uh, um, I've got, uh, people from China, I've got people from Vietnam uh, and all, you know, and, and I actually have some Canadians in there. And so I, I, this richness of perspective and, and experience is all coming to bear on that. And I realized, wow, it, this text just keeps getting richer and richer because of my history with it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and as you're talking, I'm realizing 
Yeah, when I go out for my walk today, and it will be a snowy walk because there's <laughs> snow here. Yeah. <laughs> As I go for the snowy walk today, it's going to kind of call up all those other walks, especially ones I've had in the snow, mm-hmm. which is a different experience of walking when you're actually trunching through snow. And then you talk about scripture and it recalls as you talk, you know, the, the walks that Jesus takes. Oh yeah. And, and I think it's, I, I think it's so comforting to connect in this way with creation because when we look at the biblical interpretation of who Jesus was, you know, Jesus didn't have cars. Um, and there are only very specific times in scripture where it's recorded that Jesus rides on a donkey or a horse. Yeah. Or, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or a boat. <clears throat> but that most of Jesus's ministry happens on foot. Yeah. Uh, and so how are, how, how does walking for you reconnect that sense of scripture as well hmm. as you're walking? What are you connecting with creation? What are you connecting with God? Hmm. What are you connecting through Jesus? How are you connecting in that way? Well, um, you may remember at the beginning of the book, one of the things I say is that virtually every religious tradition that exists has a corresponding physical discipline. So, mm-hmm. you know, most famously, Hinduism gets tied in with yoga. Yoga actually predates Hinduism, but these things get harnessed together. And we could look at virtually every, every large religious tradition has that physical component, except Christianity. Mm-hmm. We don't have some some way of in, literally embodying our faith and sort of getting grounded in our identity as Christians through a physical practice. But I make the argument that we all we do and we always have. It's called walking. Mm-hmm. But it was just that everybody in Scripture was walking, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think nobody's. There's I think lots of hints that that we're invited to live out our faith through walking. So walk by faith and not by sight, et cetera. Walk in the light. I don't think these are just metaphors. But certainly if you look at the example of Jesus, that he becomes itinerant. So he could have chosen, uh, I'm going to set up camp, you know, up in, in, in Capernaum or something. And, and, and we're just going to base our, we're going to have a little headquarters here. We're going to have a little rabbi house. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be down that street corner on every, every Wednesday and, and Friday, and you can come and hear me talk. Now, some of that he does. He does kind of lo- localize himself, but mostly he chooses the itinerant way, the way of walking. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. Like if you map it out, and I do a little bit of this in one of the chapters, if you take the gospel of Mark, which mostly tries to give us a little bit of an itinerary, tries to give us geographic points. Mm-hmm. Not all the gospels do that, but then he went to Capernaum and then he went to Tyre and all of this. It's bizarre. Like you actually, you know, get a map, put those, uh, you know, put dots where those places are and then follow the narrative and then you know straight away often mark says he went from here to there there is no rhyme or rhythm to it he is zigzag and he's bebopping there's no kind of like it would be strategically uh wise to go over here because we're closer to here and then we can you know then we can go over there no he'll 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 take the longest way almost Mm -hmm. so i began to wonder was that was he kind of lost did he have a bad sense of geography um because there didn't seem to be any compelling reason either, if you look at the thing, why he had to go there then. Yeah. And I started thinking, this is more about the embodying of what he's been teaching and what he's doing and who he is. So you go on a long walk with Jesus, 
you're a John or a James, a hothead, mm-hmm. and you got to walk it out, walk it out, walk mm-hmm. it out. My goodness, there's stuff going on on the road that I think is really part of the, the deep transformation, how we get from John, for instance, being the son of thunder to John being the apostle of love. Mm-hmm. I think a, a, a walking had a lot to do with that. And we occasionally get the conversations on the way. Actually, the conversation about who's the greatest, that's an on-the-way talk. Yeah. Uh, so I think stuff's coming up. You know, actually, the, the, the uh, television, the, 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 the streaming thing, The Chosen gets us well. I love, if, you have, if you've seen it, you know, this kind of uh, retelling of the story of Jesus with lots of backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I just love how often they depict Jesus and his guys on the world and, and the women that came along on the road walking <laughs> yeah, and often having these little squabbles and these sort of musings and wonderings. And what do you think he meant about that? I think that captures with, uh, you know, at least emotional accuracy, what it was like. But I think that was part of his pedagogy, part of how he taught. I think he walked, walked and taught and, and had them work it out. And again, you know, so much is happening happening physically while we're walking that it almost that it almost makes sense um and there's so much that happens when we're walking as a group you know i had a i had a friend who commented you know it seems like when we run together there's so much more conversation that can happen um not you know i mean depending on how fast we're running <laughs> um But I often think it's because, you know, maybe it's because we don't have to look people in the face while we're talking. So we feel like we can be a little bit more vulnerable. And I wonder if there's a sense of, you know, when we are walking, there is an openness and a vulnerability that opens up with us. One, because we're able to look forward, like we're able to look towards where we're going. Um, And two, we're able to be attentive to what's happening right there with us right then and there. Uh, if I'm out walking, my mind doesn't have to, or if I'm walking with a friend, my mind can just be with that friend out in nature doing what we're doing. Um, and maybe it can forget for a moment, everything else that's, that's going on because that's where I am in that moment. And I love this, this way that you continue to bring it back to walking as a connection to creation. Uh, and which which inherently connects us back to God, because as Christians, we believe God is the creator. And so when we get this connection back to creation, what that looks like is just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talk about going and walking in the snow. We're we're here in the fall season in Virginia. So we're uh, walking through some some orange and brown leaves. Mm. Um, but for our listeners, as they're listening how are how are you finding that peace and connection with creation? Yeah. What is the importance for you of of walking in nature, of walking outside? Because so often we could walk indoors, we could choose to just yeah. maybe do laps around our sanctuary, something like that. What's what's the importance for you of walking through creation, walking outdoors? Oh, uh, Andrew, thank you. Well, I, I mean, the you know historically. Uh, the great interpreters of scripture or the great, the great theologians have talked about God's two books. So obviously the scripture that we learn his, his character, his ways, 
but also the book of creation where we, and, and this is actually the theology at the beginning of Romans, that everything we could at least know about God, his goodness, his creativity, yeah. his uh, bountifulness, we can learn by looking at the creation. We can't, it's not revelatory in terms of the way of salvation, but it reveals the, the deep nature of God creation. And to neglect that second book is actually, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a failure to understand how God disciples people. Mm. He disciples us through the scriptures and a careful exegesis study of immersion in obedience to the word of God. But that is an incarnated word. In other words, it came among us. <laughs> it became flesh and became part of the creation, uh, living in the creation, speaking to the created order. And I really do think we're, mm -hmm. we're becoming, to use a theological word, Gnostic. In other words, we're just living in our heads. Yeah. If we don't have some way of of connecting with with God's creation and actually seeking God, not in some pantheistic way that the the, the tree is embodiment of God, but it is the handiwork of God. Yeah. So to say this is the the work of God, the handiwork of God, is a very different thing to say this is an embodiment of God. But you know, and I went into you know, I've been to some of the greatest art galleries in the world, and I love Rembrandt. So anywhere I go in the world, I you know immediately find do they have any Rembrandts there, and yeah. I go and stand and look at them uh, for a long, long time. And I don't look when I look at a Rembrandt. That's not the embodiment of Rembrandt, but it is a handiwork. And in a sense, I'm getting close to this remarkable artist, a complex human being. By standing and looking at this, you know, self-portrait or this painting of, of the Night Watch or something. Yeah. So to to sort of neglect that aspect of how we connect with the Creator through His creation, it would be like uh, saying I'm a big Red Brat fan, but I've never actually studied any of his paintings. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> I've read books about him, <laughs> but I've never actually stood there for an hour and looked at uh, the the the. The return of the prodigal. I've never done that. I, 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 I would just question if that's a complete knowing, and I would, I would actually say it's not. So I, I think that, that to, to, to do what you can to connect with creation. And the beautiful thing is, you know, in, in, uh, in North America, which I imagine most of your listeners, there are, uh, even if you live in a city, there's parks usually mm -hmm. within walking distance of you, and you can get a little sampling of the created order you know, the, un, the thing the un, yet sort of unspoiled or, or maybe it's been designed by humans, but they've allowed some of the creation to kind of flourish in that place. And so it is, uh, it's, it's available to most people. I have visited other parts of the world where the idea of a, of a, of a you know, community park is just non-existent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, so, and so you're just looking at a lot of concrete. But I, I was actually not, not that far from you this past week, Past uh, week, I was in Ohio and looked at all those beautiful oranges and the colors of the trees, etc. Mm -hmm. And uh, went for a long walk one day and just savored that beautiful landscape, that rolling hill, and uh, the, those colors on the trees. And thinking, this is actually—I feel closer to God in this place because I'm close. I'm in His art gallery. That's yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. And. And then that even brings brings me to this other idea that you talk about in the book. And I love the story of you 
going to Paris and, you know, we can go to Paris and just be in awe and wonder of the the beautiful monuments and buildings and all the stuff that's going around. And then you have the Parisians who live there and they're just going around and, and getting yeah. wherever they can as quick as possible. And then you talk about going home and almost having that same mentality. And so not even not only is it a connection with creation, but I think that that extends to our experience of creation. You know, are we attentive to a lot of those things? Um, I live in an area that is fairly green in terms of, you know, I can walk around and I will immediately be around trees and parks. And, you know, I run when the trail that I run on has a it runs over a creek. Um, and after I read that, I became so much more attentive to all of the things that happen when I am on these trails, when I'm going around this area, how important does it become for us then that that walking itself does not become a part of the monotony of life? How do we keep that newness, that realness, that understanding of this is something that is beautiful, this is something that is amazing, this is something that drives us forward, even when, you know, maybe that three-mile walk that we're taking every day. It's, it's the same three miles every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some, some, some of our, uh, your listeners, are that's their situation. They don't have the luxury of going out to, uh, you know, some beautiful area where it's mostly wilderness or lots of, of creation. They're just walking their neighborhood. And I, I think that's perfectly fine. What I do yeah. to, to, to sort of make new the what could be monotonous, as I ask God, as I set out on every walk, God reveals something to me about you. Mm. Uh, maybe it's a reminder, maybe it's, it's a revelation I'm, I'm, I'm growing dull to, but just a revelation of you, a, rele- a revelation of my, me. May I see something about myself? If I'm walking with somebody, a revelation about the person I'm with. And then the fourth, a revelation about that which you've made. And, and may I be attentive. And I don't go hunting. I just ask God, would you be faithful in that? Mm-hmm. And what I will find, what I find when I pray that prayer and I kind of go with that, um, choosing to be in that place of attentiveness, I will notice a leaf like I've never noticed a leaf before, for mm-hmm. instance. And this is the season for leaves, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that when they're, the, the leaves, leaves, like maybe humans get, um, maybe they're most beautiful in their, in their dying. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of older people in, in their dying moments, there's a kind of a radiance and a beauty to them. And uh, there's something about the dying of a, of a leaf that makes it it's, it's, it's most exquisite. So uh, just stop and look, pick it up, uh, touch it, um, study it, study what that thing looks like uh, now that it's lost its its greenness and its and its uh, freshness or whatnot. But with the beauty that it has, then whatever, like this, the, the the fourfold revelation that I I ask God for, I find that He's very faithful, and I'll come back and I'll have some insight about God, some insight about self, some insight if I'm walking with somebody, or sometimes I walk with somebody in my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you do. That's another thing you can do. You can just have a conversation. Sometimes it's you're working through a conflict with somebody. Go walk with them in your mind, and don't argue. I mean, you'll probably have to do a little bit of that where you're you're really kind of hanging a licking on them, and you're winning. 
but actually work it through with that person in your mind that would actually prepare you for maybe when you actually can sit with them or walk with them and, and work it out. And then that, um, and then that, you know, that, that revelation of, of the creation, God, show me something. Even this walk I've done a hundred times, a thousand times that I have never seen before. And, and the last thing that I really, I mean, I love that sentimentality as, as we continue to think about pushing that forward. And one of the last things that I wanted to focus on in our conversation was this idea where you end the book um, and you just say, keep walking. And <laughs> I think, I, I don't know that I wrestle with keep walking. I think I wrestle with what happens when I don't want to walk. Um, and and we can all create those reasons and we can all, you know, build up those understandings of, you know, maybe I don't have time. Maybe, you know, oh, today, like you said today, it's it's snowing outside and it's a <laughs> blizzard. And, uh, you, you're still going to walk. And yeah. so for you <clears throat> and and you've you've talked about it a little bit, but but yeah. what is that motivation? What yeah, is like what yeah. drives you <laughs> to walk, to <laughs> keep walking? And, and believe me, if, if, if any of your listeners, Andrew, are, are, have got any impression through this that somehow I've attained to some level of virtue or sainthood, uh, no, it's just like I have to sometimes, um, you know, nag myself or, 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 you know, hound myself into going for a walk. And today will probably be one of those days. Yeah. I, um, for me, I think that I've been doing it long enough and mindfully enough. Like, again, I, I've always loved walking, but only in the last five years really thought about what has happening when I walk. And I don't go for walks with all that analysis in my head. Uh, it just was, it was a, a discovery in terms of, oh, this is why it's so good. This is why it feels so good. I think I've been doing it with that kind of attentiveness long enough that I know I am uh, a gentler person, a kinder person, um, um, a, a wiser person, a more forgiving person if I walk every day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Paul in a, a, a Galatians 5, when he talks about the works of the Spirit, those things um, are all kind of like things that we, we, we just, they're ontological. They're just kind of how you know, the rage and whatnot. Um, they're, they're just these things we, that are kind of get hold of us where then he says, but if you walk in the spirit and you keep in step with the spirit, you will produce the fruit of the spirit. And these seven qualities, love, gentleness, kindness, self-control. I, I think what we've done is we've contrasted the, you know, works of the flesh with the fruit of the spirit and says, yes, we've got to get this one, but we miss the little, verb if you keep in step with the spirit if you walk with the spirit there, i mm -hmm. think he's actually again what we've often seen as metaphor mm -hmm. i think he means literally that there's a way the spirit sort of does it his work in our life when we actually are in this this place of moving our bodies around carrying ourselves so I, all i can say is that for me that is a literal thing where i go for a walk in the spirit every day and uh and i do find that those fruits of the spirit are more likely to be evident in my life to be cultivated in my life if i'm walking than if i'm not and i think just that knowledge of that is motivation and incentive to say uh i can even feel kind of being getting 
you know, if I'm, if I'm having a day where I'm feeling sedentary and not motivated to walk, I can start to feel myself get, you know, kind of wonky, yeah, a little funky. And it's like, come on, Mark, just go get out there. <laughs> your neighbors will, will, will appreciate it. Your wife will appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a dog, he would appreciate it. <laughs> and I love that meshing of the spiritual, of the metaphorical and the literal, because I think it shows us that you know, not only are a lot of these stories of our faith representing an understanding of God that plays out not just within our lives, but throughout the history of humanity, uh, but it also calls us to live an active faith as well that shows us that, you know, I can, I can walk by faith in that I can believe in God. I can believe in Jesus Christ. I can you know, do all the things that are necessary in my faith, but I can also literally walk, you know, one foot in front of the other and, and live into my faith as well. Whether that's, you know, going for a walk to have some, some quiet time with God. Uh, I love to, I love to go on walks with people. And sometimes, you know, we get, uh, deep and down and theological in some cases. Uh, it, it, it all really offers an opportunity for us to open up those, those doors to open up those spirits to allow the work of God to, to almost flow through us in a way, bringing in that both metaphorical and literal understanding of walking as an expression, as a part of our identity and things like that. Um, so as we wrap up our time here, I've got a few questions that I love to finish my podcast with. Um, so what is your comfort meal? Oh. <laughs> uh I th- I think um mm, maybe maybe uh mac and cheese. Mm, there you go. Yeah. All right, you've had a long day, a long or a long week and you finally have come to your day off. What is your ideal day off look like? Uh, yeah, it would be actually getting up early. I get up at the same time every day, but uh it would be a slow start. I mm. would I would have uh, at least a couple hours in my you know my my place where I read and meditate and journal and then it would involve some uh, several hours outdoors so walking or kayaking and then uh and then a, a time with uh, fam- uh my wife and and some friends over a really a lingering meal Who do you go to when life gets tough uh, my wife has been very good in terms of just kind of bringing me clarity and, and consolation. Uh, but I have a, a friend that I get together uh, on Zoom. He lives in a different city almost every week. And we spend an hour. Uh, he takes half, I take half. We confess to one another mm-hmm. uh, anything that, you know, we, we feel that this has this been a burden in my soul. And then we pray for each other, and mm-hmm. that's a person that I've learned that uh, if I if I am in a place where I'm I'm really up against the wall, I can I can go to him. What is something you've done that makes you feel accomplished? Uh, I I want to say uh, publishing the the books I have, but the strange thing about writing books is you finish one and then it it feels like okay, can I do it again? <laughs> <laughs> But I found in the last few years that I can go back now to the books I've read and read them with appreciation. Mm. Um, th- there was a season in my life where I'd read them 
I think, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? Why did I write this? Why did, <laughs> why did anybody find value in it? And maybe it's uh, I'm at an age now where I'm I'm not trying to prove anything anymore. So I think I think that um, I'm coming to this place where I'm I'm glad I've written this body of work that will live beyond me. And then lastly, what is an upcoming goal that you have? Uh, yeah, I've I've um, have some property in a in a, a western province, the most western province, British Columbia, five acres, completely undeveloped, and I want to build at least a writing cottage there. Mm. And so I have this. I've been reading and studying and doing little designs, and I want to actually do what's a, a green design, so a cord wood and cob design. So you use what's on the the ground. Mm. Um, what's what's on the land to kind of build the place so it'll be kind of like back to pioneering days so that's uh something i get pretty excited about oh that sounds like so much fun yeah. <laughs> my wife would enjoy that cottage so much <laughs> yeah yeah well I, I, it's a place where i hope when i'm not there that i can uh, make it available to, uh, to to friends and yeah there you go well mark thank you so much for coming on i've enjoyed this conversation and and rediscovering my own love for for walking, not not just running. That's right, right, listeners, not just running. I'm not just the running rev, but I enjoy walking too. And so I have loved this conversation. Thank you so much. As well. Thanks, Andrew. Bless you. You know, one of the things that I am learning to do in being a podcast host is being more proactive about reaching out to people that I don't necessarily know, know personally. As you could probably tell, many of the folks who have been on this podcast before have been personal friends of mine or personal acquaintances, people I know directly. And I have tried to branch that out as I have. Uh, you'll remember hearing from Andy Wells. He kind of got that started as Andy was really like the first person that I was not, that I did not know before I interviewed them. Um, I'd never met. I'd never seen them on a Zoom call before or anything like that. Uh, and and I found within that an opportunity for me to share stories beyond those that kind of are immediately around me. Uh, and it kind of gave me the courage uh, to, to reach out to folks just based off of seeing something, you know, send that email, send that uh, DM, send that message. Uh, and, and I loved it because it allowed me to connect with Mark in this way. You heard at the top that uh, it was Sarah Locke, a previous guest. She hadn't even met him. She had just heard him on a podcast. And I thought to myself, I had to get him on here. And I was not disappointed by this conversation. As you heard, uh, this, this conversation was just filled with such a breadth of knowledge as we think about walking as a spiritual discipline and even what it means to not take something like walking for granted because it is something that could be lost. We could lose our ability to walk. And there are people in this world who have lost their ability to walk. And as we think about the way in which we, uh, many of us who are able-bodied, who can go around, who can walk, uh, oftentimes, you know, how much do we think about how far away we're parking from a building because we could walk uh, from where we parked to the door? How much do we think about even just, you know, we are in the midst of a stressful day and taking, you know, five, 10 minutes and just going outside, enjoying some fresh air and going for a walk. Uh, these are things that we can do that helps to bolster our spiritual attentiveness, our emotional attentiveness, our mental attentiveness, and even our physical attentiveness. 
uh, you know, uh, I think it's 10,000 steps a day can help to prevent uh, heart disease. If I'm reading that correctly, if I didn't, feel free to, to DM me, feel free to e- email me, uh, uh, just just put me on blast and, and let me know that I got it wrong and help me to learn because I love to learn about these things. But uh, just these opportunities for us to engage with how our body moves in a way that can help to also care for us as we're caring for others as well. And this is a conversation that I think Mark really opened my eyes to because as a runner, it's not that I move too fast. It's just that running is my natural orientation to movement. And so I always just go for a run. But I think that in walking, especially since I've read his book, walking has offered me an opportunity to say, okay, what are those times when I can run? And then what are those times when I can walk and I can gain something from walking? I became more attentive to uh, walking around my church property uh, and just doing like a lap of my church property, taking me about 10 minutes and and getting some of that fresh air in. Um, It made me recall, you know, the times that I've walked to the polls on election day and uh, that I am unable to do that anymore just because my polling location changed and how much that might have changed my mentality when it came to to me going to vote. You know, I didn't get to walk to the polls. I, I drove to the polls and then um, and, and then engaged in it that way. But all of these different areas and facets as we think about engaging, what are ways that walking can help play that role? And for you, walking may be something that's a little bit more difficult. That's fine. Um, but I think it reminds us of this opportunity that we can slow down and that we can move. How are we moving at the speed of God? And how are we using that to intentionally engage with God, intentionally engage with others, intentionally engage with community? And so I want to thank you so much. I want to thank Mark for this conversation. Um, I think we did it after the fact, but Mark has another book. In fact, he wrote a book before God Walk, uh, and and it is about Sabbath. And so as soon as I heard that, I was immediately on Amazon getting uh, a Kindle copy of the book. And and so, friends, we might be hearing Mark coming back on the, the Active Faith podcast and hearing from him again this time on Sabbath. Uh, now, as we close this episode out, I, I, I want to say that, friends, I'm in need of, of just a period of rest. And so I have taken from my church just one week of renewal leave, an opportunity uh, for, for me to just spend a week in, in rest and renewal. Um, I, I will be preaching. That is an intentional decision that I have made. And um, maybe I'll explore why I made that decision at the end of the day in a later episode. But friends, I love preaching and I feel that there is a sense of self-care that I receive from being able to preach. And when I can balance the sermon writing process with preaching and with times of rest and renewal, I think that for me, there is a sense of renewal that comes from preaching. And so uh, I will be preaching on the 20th and the 27th, but but for that week of Thanksgiving, the, the 20th through the 26th, I'm taking a week of renewal leave. And I have committed not just to have it be a week of renewal from my churches, but also have it be a week of renewal from this podcast as well. Not from my podcast community. I will still be on Facebook and Instagram, engaging, trying to share content, trying to interact with you folks, hopefully uh, coming into a bit better of a space. But there will not be an episode next Thursday. I mean, next Friday, sorry. There will not be an episode next week. Uh, For the next two weeks, actually, there will not be an episode. uh, And that is an intentional decision that I have made to help offer me an opportunity for rest and renewal as one, I prepare 
for these sermons that are coming up, and two, as I prepare to spend time uh, giving thanks, spend time with my family, with my friends um, in these ways. So, so for the next two weeks, the 18th and the 25th, there will not be a new episode of Active Faith. I will be sure to share some of the great episodes we have had in the past in this episode, um, but there will not be new ones. And so I apologize for that, but I think I need this time of rest and renewal and maybe this like seasonal break here. And so I want to thank you all for being so supportive. If uh, you would love to continue to support the fo- podcast. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to this podcast. It'll put it right there in your feed so that you can listen to it as soon as it, be- as it becomes available. Um, I would love it if you would head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a rating and review. And friends, you don't even have to use those apps to listen to the podcast. But if you just head over there, leave a rating, leave a review, let me know what you're loving, let others know what you're loving about it. That would be awesome and amazing. Uh, and then I would love it if you would um, maybe take that extra extra step and and support me over on patreon uh, i want to thank my patreon supporters here right now david vaughn pam anderson amy dane and andy wells friends if you want your name added to that list if you would love to help to support this mission this ministry that i'm hoping to offer through this podcast you can head on over to patreon it says three dollars a month but friends honestly any dollar amount helps to support this podcast helps to support this community helps me continue to bring these things into your uh, ears into your audio medium and is hopefully going to help to bring even more stuff as we continue to move into the future. And lastly, please, I just ask that you share the podcast, share it with someone, help them to learn and grow in their own self-care routine as well. And now may God bless each of us and may we find ways to stay active in and for God's kingdom. Amen.